It's been a tough few weeks for federal employees, at least for those who worry about their jobs, their pay, and their retirements. Maybe you should take the long view, as we hear from former Homeland Security Chief Human Capital Officer Jeff Neal. And Jeff, let's talk about all of these proposals for changes in annuities, small raises, and so on that have been coming now most recently in the 2021 budget request. What's your take on all of this? What we're seeing is warmed over ideas that we've seen over and over and over again. The Republicans tend to propose cutting federal benefits, stopping increases in federal pay, and in some cases cutting federal pay. And then the Democrats always propose giving people bigger pay raises. And so the parties have kind of settled into their political bomb-throwing positions, and they're each going to do what they always do. And what's going to happen is what always happens, which is nothing. We're not going to see any big changes in civil service. And none of what's been proposed is actually big civil service reform. You know, you made a good point in a column recently about the, the lack of civil service reform proposals. There's really no reform being proposed. There's just tweaking things and a little cut here and there. But there's nothing that's comprehensive and that looks at the real needs of the federal civil service and what agencies need to accomplish their missions, and nothing that's looking at trying to design a 21st century civil service. Right now, we have a mid-century modern civil service. So we have a 1950s civil service, and it was great for 1950. And I'm sure President Truman appreciated it when he signed it into law. But yeah, this isn't exactly President Truman's United States anymore, and it's not the world of 1950, and the federal government isn't a government full of clerks like it was 70 years ago. Well, I wonder if there's any possibility even of Congress talking about this kind of thing, because several major federal features need some kind of rethinking at a fundamental level. You could say that about the major trillion-dollar entitlement programs, which are driving budget deficits, yet nobody talks about that either. The administration doesn't make the best requests on behalf of the federal civil service, but Congress doesn't really rise to that either, do they? No, they don't. And you can make the argument there are different causes of different problems. One argument on budget deficits is entitlement programs. The other argument is a military industrial complex that's driving huge defense budgets that we don't necessarily need. And what happens with civil service is you know, the Democrats take their position, the Republicans take theirs, and neither one of them is talking right now about substantive reform. I think the chance of real comprehensive civil service reform right now is somewhere close to zero. They're simply not going to talk about it. You know, the House will go off and pass something if they deem it worthy of spending some time on it. That will be a very much a Democratic point of view on civil service. The Senate will probably talk themselves until they're blue in the face or to be bipartisan. Uh, talk, some of them will talk until they're red in the face. And then they won't pass anything and then nothing will happen. And, and I think as particularly being in an election year, nobody is going to do anything that actually takes a chance. They're just not going to do it. They're going to talk in circles if they talk at all, and they won't pass anything. And everybody will be playing to their voters. And nobody will be playing to the Constitution or playing to the taxpayers. They'll be playing to the people they think might vote for them in November. I, I, I probably sound terribly cynical when it comes to this, but, but I just think the chances of real reform right now are zero. I used to say, you know, it'd be like less than 1%. I don't think it's less than 1% right now. I think it's zero. 
We're speaking with Jeff Neal. He is former chief human capital officer at Homeland Security and now semi-retired after a stint in the corporate world. And you recently commented on the Hatch Act, which is going to be heating up as the election gets closer. And now we're into the primary seasons. And your feeling is that there's some reform needed for the Hatch Act, too, or at least a reinterpretation? The Hatch Act is one of those things that federal employees end up signed up for, whether they know it or not. And it limits the political activity of federal employees. There are two types of federal employees with respect to the Hatch Act. There are regular employees, and then there are what's called further restricted employees. And the ones who really have a lot of restrictions on them are the ones that are called further restricted. And there are a lot of things that they can't do. They can't hold office in a political party group. They can't organize a political rally. They can't even assist in a partisan voter registration drive. And they certainly can't make speeches on behalf of a candidate. They can't do anything at all, hardly, in support of a candidate. And my view is that restrictions at work make a lot of sense. You know, when people are at work, politics needs to stay out of it. It needs to stay out of how they do their work and it needs to stay out of the workplace. So for any federal employee, I agree that political activity at work is wrong and that should stop. What people do outside of work, though, I think is their own business. And I'm not alone in thinking that. In 1973, when the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the Hatch Act, Justice Douglas dissented very strongly. He was pretty adamant about it. He said that it was, you know, that your political speech is a First Amendment right and that what you say about politics on your own time away from work is no more the government's business than whether or not you attend church and what religious beliefs you have. You know, we don't apply a religious test to people going to work for the government and we don't limit their religious speech, but we limit their political speech. And I think it's kind of convenient that the people who passed the law to limit political speech are the people who probably would most benefit from limiting political speech, which is politicians. And so I would much rather see the Hatch Act reformed, uh, continue to ban in all, all ways political activity at work, but to say that what people do outside of work is their own business. What if what they are doing outside of work has to do with a political issue that they might be involved with at work? In other words, say there's a wetland issue or something before the EPA and you as a citizen don't want this particular thing built here or dug there or dredged here. And that's something that your agency is going to decide on. You may have an opinion about it. How do you separate those two? You separate it by doing your job. You cannot allow people to make decisions based on their political views. But you can make the argument that wetlands would be an issue that would be driven by data and by science, and that science should be the driver, not people's political views. Although we seem to have gotten ourselves in a position where Democrats are in favor of protecting the environment and Republicans are not, and so the environment has become a political issue, even though Republican president created the EPA. So things have changed a lot in the last 50 or 60 years. But people can hold a view that is inconsistent with what they have to do at work, and they do it all the time. 
Federal employees have to carry out the legitimate legal policy decisions of the elected officials. That's the way the system works. As long as what the president wants to do is legal, federal employees carry it out. So there are federal employees right now carrying out policies that they don't agree with. When Barack Obama was president, there were federal employees carrying out his policies that they didn't agree with. And that happens all the time. What happens with the Hatch Act, at least for further restricted employees, is all that's supposed to be underground. So you don't know what somebody's views are because they're supposed to keep them to themselves. I would much rather be in favor of transparency where, yeah, you know that Betty Lou is an activist in a particular organization. And so at least you're aware that maybe her personal views are not consistent with your policy views. But the way it is right now, that's not the way it works. And the restrictions right now are kind of difficult to manage. I cited an example in my blog of a, a person whose uh, wife was planning to run for Congress, and he asked the Office of Special Counsel for an opinion on what he could and couldn't do. And he said, for example, can we host a fundraiser in our house? His wife can host a fundraiser, but he can't. So they told this guy, your wife can host a fundraiser. You can introduce her, but you can't make a speech. I don't know what the difference is. And no, you can't make food. So he can't bake cookies for his wife's campaign. I mean, do we really think the republic is going to fall if the spouse of a political candidate bakes cookies for that candidate? But the Office of Special Counsel says, no, you can't do that. And you know, that's the way we're going to protect our democracy. I think that's kind of silly. Jeff Neal is former Chief Human Capital Officer at the Homeland Security Department and other places. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.